0: Welcome to another episode of the Haskin cast podcast. I'm your host Scott Haskin. And today we are on episode 383. Good God, that's a lot of episodes. But this is our last episode of 2023. The end of season six. Uh, for those of you guys who have been with me for a while, I was not doing seasons, I was just doing episodes. But when I had to re upload the entire podcast, I thought, you know what, I might as well at least kind of make some sort of mark to help people find things. And so uh, here we are. We're at the end of season six. Season one was really short, though, to be fair, because I think I started in what was it like September or whatever of that year. And so there were only uh, so many episodes the first year. But every year since then it has been a full year. It's been a good couple years or at least a year, I think, since I've taken a week off And so it's uh, kind of been nice to have the show consistent now that I'm done with the Uriah Heat podcast, pending the release of a potential other album um, that has freed me out because I was doing that four days a week. So that was keeping me very, very busy. And of course, now I do another podcast with my buddy Corey Morissette. We do Backtracks Aerosmith Revisited, where every week we pick a new song that we haven't covered on the show from the band's very large catalog and we review it, we decide whether it is one of their songs that really represents the band. So we're trying to create kind of the ultimate mixtape to where if somebody came up to us and said, hey, uh, I've heard Aerosmith's pretty good. I don't know any of their stuff or I know a couple of their hits. I really want to get into them. What songs do you suggest listening to? We go, here is your mixtape. Here's your playlist. This is going to give you, you know, a good uh, one side is hits and one side is uh, songs that weren't released. So it gives you a good uh, variety and uh, man, it's getting hard to to find a reason to knock songs off the list because we've got a really good list going, but there are songs that we've heard that are really good and uh, we have moved songs off the list, Um, actually more so than I would have thought we would have. But uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And uh, we got probably, I think, like a year and a half or two years, I think, left on that show with all the songs covering one a week. Um, And who knows what what else we might come up with uh, in the middle of all things. But uh, in any case, this is our last show of the year, last show before New Year's. I hope you guys are all doing great. I'm curious um, if you guys do New Year's resolutions. I kind of think they're they're weird. Um, I used to do them when I was young. But what I realized is It's kind of like quitting smoking. You can't say on January 1st, I want to quit smoking and then I'm going to be done if you're not actually ready to take that action. So picking an arbitrary date, January 1st, March 1st, whatever you're going to pick um, is kind of an irrelevant thing to me. So my thing is just when you want to do something, do it. Don't wait for a date. Don't, you know, give yourself a reason to wait or to do more of the thing that you're saying you don't want to do. Just stop. Just stop it. Stop it right now. Stop it (laughs) and you'll be fine. Um, So, yeah, I don't really do the New Year's resolution thing. I try to make changes when I find something I want to change or when it's, you know, when I when I notice there's something that I could improve on. Like recently, I started doing time blocking because now with the uh, freelance work I'm doing, plus the podcast, plus I started working on a new album. My band, Era Patches, is working on a new album. So I've got all these things going on. Um, I'm proofreading a couple of books uh, for friends of mine. There's just like all these things that are happening, right? So I thought I need to find some way because I wasn't getting anything done. I was like just working and sleeping and, and it was just a complete mess. So I thought I need to do something. So I started time blocking. And let me tell you, for me, this was the best decision I could have made, honestly. It is working fantastically. I'm getting stuff done on all the different things I need to do. I also have an hour reserved every day for like shopping, and now that the car's fallen apart i I guess I really just could narrow that down to like twenty minutes of online shopping for groceries or or whatever um since I'm not gonna go to the store anymore. So that makes it fun. But but basically like a free hour to like run around, get things done, do errands. I also have an hour in the uh, evening where I have uh, stuff I'm working on. And if there's stuff that other people need me to do, like research or, you know, like looking at a project or whatever, that fits into that time block. So you have to be a little bit flexible with it because some days are going to uh, go perfectly on that and some days are not. Example, somebody comes to town. And they want to get together for dinner. That's not on my schedule every day. Why? Because that doesn't happen that often. You know, uh, most of the time when people come here to Vegas and say that they want to get together, it doesn't happen because they're with a group of people or they're celebrating an event or whatever, and they can never find a time to get away. They're always waiting to see what their friends are going to do because nobody can decide. And uh, a lot of times they're on their way home and they message me going, oh, my God, I'm so sorry we couldn't get together. I used to be like when I first moved here and anyone who's thinking of moving to Vegas. You can't see this, but I'm being very animated right now with my hands for some reason. Um, Get get an understanding right off the bat that it has nothing to do with people wanting or not wanting to see you, because that is not what it's about. What it's about is the opportunity. Like they'll come up here going, I, I, you know, I really want to get together. I want to see you. It's been too long and that's all well and good. But if, if they're with a bridal party or a bachelor party, or, you know, they're, they're here to see their nieces, uh, sporting event or whatever the thing is, um, 21st birthday party is like, do just don't even bother. That is not going to happen. Um, but if they're, if they just come up by themselves or like with like them and their family or their spouse or whatever, there's usually a time, I mean, they're going to be having meals. So it's just a matter of finding one that, Uh, they know when or where they're going to be at a specific place and you can go meet them. But yeah, so get that out of the windows. But but so this doesn't really happen every day that I actually see people that come to town. So I don't have that on my schedule. So there I have to be a little bit flexible. I have to decide what am I going to sacrifice out of my day? And it's always my own stuff because, you know, you can't sacrifice the things that you have responsibilities to, like my freelance work and stuff like that. So uh, it, it all really works. It, so for me, that was the best change that I could have made. Um, I'm still adjusting to it a little bit schedule wise, because when one of those things does come up, it can throw things off a little bit. Um, I tend to be uh, an up late person. So I usually go to bed around four in the morning. And um, if people want to get together early, that uh, that changes my sleeping schedule, or if I have a podcast or something to do. So uh, you have to be a little bit flexible with that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, that's the thing that, that I changed that worked for me. So for you freelancers, if you're not um, time blocking and you find that you're not able to get everything that you want to done, give that a shot. Uh, but, but be willing to be flexible and ready to be flexible with it. Um, so that's my advice for the new year. Yay. I hope that helps. And uh, now we're going to get into our album review. This one is uh, is interesting. I'm not really sure I understand exactly what's going on with it because I found it under three different headings. Um, I've always known this album by the Misfits as Earth AD. And as far as I knew, that's what it was. I'm pretty sure my brother had it on vinyl or I got it on cassette. I can't remember which. Um, but once we moved to Colorado, which was like right around the time that we found out that the misfits even existed it was when metallica came out with their uh garage days uh revisited e- ep and had um uh, what was it last caress and green hell on it uh, and then of course we're like wow who's this band these songs are really good and metallica songs sound nothing like theirs; completely different versions but uh really good ones and and really like those so we're like well let's check out this band and we went up to denver to this used record store and they had some Misfits albums. They are actually kind of hard to get even back then. And this would be like 88, 89, somewhere in there. And um, they're kind of, they're not hard to find now. They Some of them have been reissued, but the original Plan 9 ones can get pretty expensive if you look on Discogs. I mean, I've seen them listed at like a thousand bucks. Doesn't mean they're selling for that, but original pressings. Because um, if what I heard is true, they were pressing them themselves. And I don't know how you would do that I I don't know what equipment you would need, how you get the material, how you make the, um, you know, the master to press the records with. I don't know how you do any of that. I know how you do cassettes and CDs. And uh, that's about as far as as I go, as far as home use goes. But whatever the case, Plan 9 Records was uh, manufacturing their stuff. And um, there are plenty of them out there. There really are. But there's different versions of them, different colored vinyls and things like that so, uh, if you're a completist, good luck, that's all I can say. So, the three titles that I found this album under as I was getting this episode together were uh was just earth a d is the first one. Then I found another version called earth a d slash wolf's blood. I don't know why, and then another one called earth a d slash die die my darling and there's a couple of different configurations of what songs are on these versions, so I tend to you know. I don't really know. I'm kind of skeptical. But what I'm going to do, I think the, the safest way to handle all this is to find the the biggest version, which was the Earth AD slash Die Die My Darling version and go with that song list. So that's what I'm going to do. And uh, to remind you guys, since it's been a while since I've done a Misfits episode, I am playing tracks off of the uh, box set So some of the versions may vary if there's multiple versions. They didn't they didn't do the box set in a way that lines up with the albums, which is a shame. And it's I guess it's kind of confusing because they had some songs that were duplicated on EPs and it gets a little bit confusing. They had some songs that were just from Sessions. So, I mean, no harm, no foul. But as somebody who just wants to listen to, you know, the album version straight through, it's not as simple as just going to that in the box set. Now, when you get to Sowin, that's exactly what they did. They just reissued each album on a CD individually, and it was great. Um, I do have one Misfits album on vinyl so far. I got a really good deal on a uh, mint version of Legacy of Brutality, which uh, happens to be my favorite. And uh, I I couldn't pass that up. I think I got it for like $22 with shipping, which was not bad at all. And it arrived in amazing condition. Uh, Love the cover. Love the songs on that album. Probably my favorite collection. Uh, But I enjoy all the collections except for their live stuff. I really have a difficult time listening to live punk music because as I've said with my feelings on live albums. Being that it's, you know, the speed of the songs, the way that they're performed and everything, part of that is being there, being in the atmosphere, feeling the energy of the band. Um, You don't really get that in the home version, although there are a couple of live albums that I absolutely love, Rainbow On Stage and Made in Japan. Those two live albums I will listen to until the end of time quite happily. And uh, if you guys were able to check out my interview with Tony Carey, which came out just before Christmas, um, man, what a treat that was getting to talk to Tony. He was such a great guy to interview. And uh, of course he was on rainbow rising and rainbow on stage. And those are Christmas albums for me because I got really into rainbow around that time of the year when I started getting their back catalog. And um, so those two albums are definitely Christmas albums along with uh, brain salad surgery from Emerson Lake and Palmer. I can't remember what Tarkus is to be honest. I can't, I don't think Tarkus is a Christmas album. I think it's a summer album um, but whatever it is, that's apparently lost to time, and maybe I'll pick that up again at some point. But like Deep Purple, Perfect Strangers is a is a winter album for me, uh, very much a Christmas album, or or at least a you know fall going into Christmas. Um, so it was great timing to be able to get a, a hold of Tony, and uh, very grateful for the time he spent with me. I can tell you, he did follow through on his promise. He did send me a copy of the, of his band's album that's coming out in April. And I can tell you guys, seriously, if you are Jazz Fusion fans, if you like um, Jethro Tull music, um, man, this album is absolutely fantastic. And I cannot wait for you all to hear it in April. So I will circle back to that this spring. At least that is the plan anyway. Hopefully Tony will join me and we'll we'll dig into that album a little bit. But um, yeah, great. So grateful to uh, to get some time with him. Lots of fun. Probably one of my favorite interviews that I've done. But back to the Misfits, because that's what we're here to talk about today as we close out the year. So we're going to start with the uh, the opening track. It it was the last track on each side, which was the bonus track. So we'll we'll get to those as we end uh, what would be side A and side B of the vinyl. The nice thing about the Misfits is seriously, their songs are so short you could probably fit, you know, 20 or so tracks per side reasonably well, I'd have to sit down and calculate it. But, you know, compared to bands that were doing, you know, eight and nine song albums, because you could only fit so much on vinyl. And of course, in the 70s, they were writing some longer songs, not a lot of commercial music, as opposed to the 60s, where you you look at the collection albums of the 60s, like the K-Tel albums and stuff. You can get a lot of songs on there because they were short. They were all radio friendly, you know, all designed to be hits. And uh, that's the Misfits. Of, I can't say they were all designed to be hits, but I can say that they're short songs because that was the style that they went with. With when they got a little bit longer, which was nice. You got a, a little bit of a deeper dive into the songs and you could, um, you know, see what they would flesh out, what uh, how the stories would unfold because the stories were bigger because they were longer songs. And um, yeah, I I enjoyed that aspect of it. So uh, I like both sides. I like the short Misfits version. I like the longer Samhain songs. But uh, yeah, let's get into it. So the first one is the titular track, Earth 80. don't know what it is, but there's just something I love so much about the way that song sounds, the blend of, you know, the lower vocals going behind Glenn's voice, the drums, the way that the crashes should be annoying, but they, they just work because it's the, you know, style of music. Um, But it's a fun song. I, you basically just get the whole gist of it right there in that 30 second clip I just played. Um, But I've always enjoyed that one. That's that's one of my favorites off the Earth AD album, whichever version you want, you have or you, whatever you want to call it. Um, it, it's a, it's just a fun track. It's got a great groove to it. I love that drum pattern and, um, the guitars sound great. I could use a little more bass. In fact, I think there are always a little bit bass light as far as the mix goes. And you would expect with punk, you would get like a nice, heavy, distorted bass, unless it's just blending into the guitar so well, uh, which is very possible. But for me, yeah, I could use a little bit more bass with that and a little bit louder of a kick, but you know, it's, it's, it's mixed raw. I mean, it does have a raw sound to it, which I really like. As I said before, I, I kind of let, lost interest in, in Glenn's music when he just got so commercial sounding, you know, it was very studio, very clean. Um, this is just like a band jamming and they caught it and they got a good recording. You know, it doesn't it doesn't feel like they sat down and worked on the song and did overdubs and stuff like that. Their music in general doesn't really feel like that, which uh, which I think is pretty cool and it fits the the punk motif if you will i don't know if motif and punk have ever been used in the same sentence but that's that's how uh, living on the edge we are here on the haskin cast podcast <laughs> so that was a good song i've always liked that one let's get into our next song it is called queen wasp yeah! This has never been a favorite song of mine. Um, I don't hate it. It's not bad, but I think i just realized what it is that I don't like about it. I don't like to yell in the background on every one. Like I don't mind if they're hitting the crash on every pass. That's fine. But I don't know, those backups just don't really work for me. Um, if they just saved it to the end, I think that would be fine. But for me, yeah, I'm not a fan of that. So um kind of the same thing I think I don't like about Nike Agogo, which is another one of my lesser favorites i mean there's not a single misfit song i don't like as far as the the classic band goes i have not heard the new band with their their other singer i'm talking about the the glenn danzig era stuff but um yeah so there's there's nothing that glenn worked on with them that i don't like but i would say there's some that i like lesser than others and this would be one of those along with nike Agogo. And, and it's it's interesting because they do share that characteristic I also want to go back and I I realized if I look at just the actual Earth AD album track list, it is all on the box set disc two. The last section of the box set is all the songs from that. So I'm actually working off of, I guess, what might be considered the expanded edition, um, the Die, Die, My Darling one, because it had more songs on it. So if I just go with uh with the songs that were on the original album, then that actually is lined up very perfectly in the box set. So apologies to whoever designed that uh with my earlier statement of the fact that they didn't do that, because in this case they did. So uh yeah, uh so Queen Wasp, not a favorite. I have to say though, there's probably somewhere, and maybe I get this from watching the practice because that was one of my favorite shows, but I have to think that there was some woman accused of killing her husband or killing multiple husbands. And they dubbed her Queen Wasp in media. That had to have happened somewhere in time, or at the very least, a parallel universe. I'm gonna go with that. Let's move on to our next song, it is song three and it is called Devil Lock. <laughs> Now, in this case, I don't mind the backups, I think because they're not all over the place. They're they're more concentrated throughout the song, and um, it, it works, I think, better for the song. In any case, this one's a fun one. It's, it's the classic, you know, Misfits beat, which I like. Um, really good pounding guitars, great gravelly vocal from Glenn. Um, it just has a good feel to it. And I like that it's not really fast, but yet they play the fast beat at the same time. Uh, really cool. I love that, that the snare sounds papery on the top. It still has some bottom end to it. That is so weird to me, but however they did that, I like it. Um, Very cool. Yeah. Really good song that, that one I really do like. And uh, our next song is called death comes ripping. a little longer clip on this one because the uh the intro uh, that bit that sounded like a bit of a sound check uh was a little bit long before vocals came in but this is a fun one this is a great tempo for them uh live I can only imagine I don't know if I've heard it or not um since I really don't pay attention to their live stuff very much um I may have but I can tell you the tempo that they're playing this in the studio would be absolutely insane on stage I mean it would just the song would be over in a blip um, but it's got a great vocal, really good tempo, strong drum beat. I like the toms in there, um, you know, breaking up the monotony of just the, the kick snare hi-hat that you hear a lot from punk music. And um, it's a fun one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a burner track. And uh, great vocal from Glenn too on this one. I really like that. And again, backing vocals are very appropriately placed. And uh, they work for me. And I, I, the more I'm seeing this, the more I think I'm right about why I don't uh, love queen wasp more. Uh, but that's okay. You know, I don't have to like everything as much as everything else. That's what, what it's all about. Um, so that was death comes ripping. Our next song is called green hell. And this is the one that, uh, you know, this and last caress were the ones that got me interested from Metallica's versions, as I said earlier, and caused me to want to hear what the misfits were all about. Cause I'd never heard of them before. Here is green hell. Mm-hmm. I remember, uh, this was on the, the collection, the, uh, the one with the green ghost cover on it. And, uh, I remember, being really excited to hear it and like, wow, this feels so slow because Metallica's version is faster, and that was the version I knew. I had no idea, you know, what the Misfits even sounded like, so I really had nothing to gauge it. But realized how much faster Metallica actually played. It's really fun, a great version. If you have Garage Days, uh, you can check it out, and uh, if you don't, you can you can check it out because it's everywhere. And uh, it, it was billed as like the don't pay more than five ninety eight for this EP and nine ninety eight, I think it was for the album. Uh, the, like the vinyl version. And and now it's like $30 or $25 everywhere you go. And it still has that, that thing on it, because I actually wrote that onto the cover. And, uh, and you're like, well, you're telling me not to pay the price that I have to pay if I want to buy it, which is kind of strange. But uh, you know that's, that's what happens with age. Not everything ages well. And that, uh, that joke didn't, <laughs> but it's a really cool song. That's one of my favorite misfit songs. Both by Metallica and by the Misfits, I have to say, they both did a very, very good job on it. Um, the next song, this this is a fun one. This was not on the original version. It's on the Die, Die, My Darling version, which is uh, interesting because on the collection, um, this song came right before Die, Die, My Darling. But on the EP, they're actually spread apart towards the end of side A and side B. This is Mommy, Can I Go Out and Kill Tonight? One, two, three, three. Now, I don't know this for a fact. I do. I do know that a lot of their music was inspired by older horror movies, um, you know, Vampira and stuff like that. But uh, I don't know for a fact what this was inspired by, but I'm going to make a guess that it was inspired by Psycho. Unless there was another, uh, you know, a serial killer that had mommy issues back in those days, um, and, and maybe it was inspired by a real life event or whatever. I don't know. But movie-wise, I would say Psycho would probably be the best bet. But it's such a fun song, isn't it? I mean, it's a great tempo, great beat. Uh Glenn's really into it, which is great. Um, guitars sound great. It's it's just really cool. There's uh, some nice little uh feedback at the end. It just kind of uh like peters out a little bit. Um what was funny is in the beginning, you know, when he's saying the the lines it before the song really kicks in. You hear somebody saying it before he does. It's almost like they're feeding him the lines. And I'm sure that's not what it was, but it gives you that impression, or or he's hearing a voice in his head, and that's what they're simulating. Either way, very fun song. Uh, always been one of my favorites since the first time I heard it. And I remember thinking, I can't believe music like this exists. It was so different from anything I've heard. Not, not really just musically, because you know, once you kind of understand what the band is about musically, you can follow, you know, through most of the songs but like lyrically the story was just so wild and I just remember being completely blown away by it but it's a fun song to listen to from a musical standpoint uh great vocals really energetic like I said glenn's really into it uh you almost feel like it's he's really doing that you know it's like a hopefully not a method singer I don't think that really exists but uh in any case great song so now we're going to go back to the actual um album and our next song is the uh, the second title track, "Wolf's Blood." Yeah, I know. The other thing I want to point out is that when this stuff, uh, came out or when, when I first heard it, you know, there, there was no internet. So it wasn't like we could just look up the lyrics. The lyrics were not in the album versions that we got. Uh, it wasn't really until I got the box set where I started to understand what the hell he was saying for half of the songs, you know? And then, um, I think there's some stuff that might have been, uh, incorrect because it was all, uh, not done by Glenn. so that. That might there might have been some misinterpretations in there, but overall it was pretty good. And of course, I've looked uh, stuff up online since, and um, you know, kind of understood what he's talking about in a lot of the songs. But um, it was it was really just like some of the stuff is so fast you have no idea what he's saying until you get used to it. Once you hear it, and once you kind of commit it to memory, then it's just there, and and you always hear the the words that way. But if you hear something wrong or you you assign a different word to what he's saying, it's really hard to unhear. Some of those things that you get uh, stuck in your head, but this is a fun one. This is a great tempo, uh, really upbeat. Again, another really passionate vocal. I don't know what he does at the end of the song. He makes some kind of uh, a weird noise as the the song is is kind of dissipating, and um, uh, that was not in the lyrics. I, I don't know what he says there. It might even just be a grunt. I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, a cool song. I really I really like that one. Wolf's blood. Um another one that I absolutely love is one that we're going to get to next it is called Demonomania. Demonomania. So the challenge with this song is it's only 45 seconds long. So <laughs> you know, another uh, incredibly short one live. I think it's probably would be 12 if they even did it. Um they could just go right into four other songs and still be under 3 minutes. It's uh it's a cool song though. It's it's just like it just explodes and it, that's one thing I wanted to say. I think was Queen's Wasp was or uh, Queen Wasp was one that just kind of started in right away and I think that was something else I didn't really like about the song is it didn't have any kind of warm up or intro or anything. It was just like, boom, you're in the song. And um, for that one, it didn't really feel like it worked for me. But for this one, it's um, I, I like it. I, I think it's OK. And uh, I just wish it were a little longer because it's got great energy to it. Um, I, I really like the the vocals. Um, the demonomania is so rhythmic and, and hypnotic a little bit when he says it. So it's a pretty cool song. And uh, it's just, you know, like so many of theirs, I feel like I've said this. It's just over so fast. Um, but our next song is not over too fast and it's another one of my favorites. This is called Blood Feast. Yeah. Isn't that fun? I mean, it's just, again, it's got such great energy to it, a great vocal. I love the way that the chorus feels so separated from the verse. It's it's really different, which a lot of those, they just kind of go into them. But this one really feels like a separate part, uh, which I really like. And it's just fun. I mean, I mean, the way that he sings it, the lyrical flow of it, Uh, I I like lines like when you think of severed heads, uh, you know, uh, there aren't a lot of bands that you're going to get lines like that from. And that's part of the fun of the, the dark mystique of the misfits, the horror movies, uh, tropes and and all that that they put in their songs. And, um, yeah, that's one of the things I've always loved because I'm a huge fan of Halloween. It's probably my favorite holiday and, um, just, you know, the, the whole atmosphere and the vibe of the band. I I really, really dig there. I said the word vibe in like two podcasts in a row. Well, no, because I guess uh, the last podcast that would have played would have been the um, the annual Christmas album show. And, um, you know, I might not do that next year. I, I was thinking about this earlier. I know, side note, but I was thinking about this earlier. And maybe uh, maybe this is the year to remaster that album, put the bonus track on the actual album and do a deluxe edition. Um I don't know. We'll see. I wouldn't I wouldn't even mind writing another song for that album if I could find one I wanted to do, because that was such a fun project. And and there's something about that album for me, the tonality of it just really feels like I nailed something special. And I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back, because I might be the only one that feels that way. But there's something like when I listen to certain songs, um, Jesse Joy, A Man's Desiring is one of them um there is a it just immediately those sounds that mix just takes me right back to my childhood so i i think for myself at least i captured the essence of something that if i could explain to people what christmas felt like for me and i'm i'm imagine myself sitting on the floor in my bedroom you know, doing stretches and stuff, waiting for my dad to get home so we can go to my grandparents' house for Christmas Eve. And I think about, I was probably playing the album Deep Purple and listening to uh, like Chasing Shadows and Bird is Flown and all those songs and uh, just had nothing but red Christmas lights on that were in my room around the the back uh, wall of, of where the bed was. And I was on the opposite side facing that. And that, that moment, what I'm visualizing there is captured in the tones of that album. And I, I mean, I, I think it has a Christmas feel to it, but it it specifically just brings me right back to that moment. And, and so I don't know if I want to, I don't want to remix it. I think I I just might want to remaster it. Um, some of the songs are a little quiet maybe, and and just give it, you know, a little bit of bigger boosted volume but I don't really want to change much. Uh, I'll say that I'll, you know, maybe add the bonus track. And, and I, like I said, if I can find one, maybe I'll do another track for it and, you know, really bring out something deluxe because there was nothing left off. Well, the only thing that was left off was I started working on, um, a version of dance of the sugar plum fairy that I was going to put on there. And, and I just could not get it to work with that slower pace so I ended up, uh, not using it. And then I, I took that piece and that's actually what started the ha- haunted holidays series was uh, doing something with that. Cause it was like really haunting and dark. I'm like, this does not fit mental sauna three Christmas inflections at all. Uh, but I, I did find a use for it on that album. That's actually the track that I, I started working on was that recording. So, uh, anyway, it's a complete side trip, but, uh, so next year I may not just replay the same episode. I may actually just do a, a new version of it and a new, you know, fresh review, fresh perspective. Some, you know, some years later. So that could be fun. That was actually the first thing I I wrote when I got to Vegas. I had a couple of pieces I was hired to do that I was working on. And um, the first thing uh, I I think the first major project I did when I moved here was that, yeah, because I won the Sweetwater contest and, and got all the instruments and stuff. And part of that was a CD distribution package. And, uh, my buddy Dean said, you know what you should do is you should do a Christmas album. And this was in like July, I think, uh, or, or no, it was earlier than that. Cause I started working on it in July and, um, he's like, yeah, you should do a Christmas album. So I did. So thank you for that. Uh, let's get back to the misfits though. So that was blood feast. It's just an absolute fun song. One of my favorites of theirs for sure. Uh, our next song, we'll see how I feel about it. It's called hell hound. Yeah. 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 know what it is about this song, uh, either, but for some reason, this is not one of my favorites. I, I don't know exactly what it is. I've just, you know, never really been that keen on it for some reason. Um, there's nothing wrong with it per se. It's just, doesn't, um, just doesn't do it for me for some reason. I've, I've never really been able to define it. Uh, but if you like it, nothing wrong with that at all. So we're just going to move along to another one of my, probably my absolute favorite misfit song, if you will. This one is called Die, Die, My Darling. And again, this would be uh, after the album proper. So so Hellhound would have been the last track on the uh, original edition of the album. And then on this particular version, they added Die, Die, My Darling for some reason. This song is one of their longer songs at three minutes and 11 seconds. And I think a big part of what sold me on this song and why it's it's probably my favorite is that feedback guitar that we're just hearing that one constant note on. I really dig that. It really sets the song apart from other songs. Also, it's longer, so you get a little bit more story. Um, I was really excited when Metallica covered this. I think it was on... was it? Be Reload, whichever their, their other, like their full cover album was when they did turn the page and all that. Um, and they did, I think when a blind man cries by deep purple, but I was so excited that they did this song and then I heard it and I just, I was deflated because they didn't put that part in there. They didn't have that guitar, um, hitting that pitch at all. It just wasn't part of the song. So now it just sounds like a regular song. And so that character was missing i think from for me from their version since that's part of what makes this song uh so wonderful for me so it, it's kind of like when when Deep purple redid and the address on um whoosh and i was really excited about that but a big part of that song is the cowbell and there is no cowbell in the their updated version of the song um also the the drums were a, a lot more laid back they were probably more aggressive than other songs on the album but you know, certainly not compared to the original version. So it had a real different feel to it. Um, nice soloing from from Steve and Donna. There was some really good stuff in there. Uh, but anyway, this isn't a Deep Purple podcast. It's a Misfits podcast. So uh, that's part of it. And then the other thing is like, it's just a fun song. I mean, with omelet, uh, uh, with omelets, <laughs> with, with lines like your future is in an oblong box. I, it's such a great line for a band like this, um, especially when you're talking about a song that's about murder. Um, really, really cool stuff. So that, uh, that is probably the song I've listened to. I want to say the most from them, either that, or uh, what would it be? Um, Not hybrid moments, probably Spinal Remains, either, either Die, Die, My Darling, or Spinal Remains from Legacy of Brutality um, would probably be one of the two I've listened to the most. Uh, they're all great though. That's the thing is whether, whether they're ones that I really like or or, or aren't a huge fan of, they're still great. Even if they're bottom tier for me, bottom tier for the Misfits for me is still really good. So there's, there's that. Um, so we're going to go with the the last song on the album. And, uh, this is another one that I really like. It's called We Bite. At one minute and 15 seconds you still get enough to sink your teeth into okay that was really a bad joke but good song this is another one i'm like i would love to hear a two and a half three minute version of this see what else they could do with it maybe throw in a solo somewhere there's not a lot of guitar solos on their stuff um they're just in and out so fast with the song so uh good song would would uh i don't know if I think they did this one on evil live too. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but in any case, great song. Uh, that's one where I love the, the choral vocal, like everybody singing together for the words we bite. That's pretty nice. It just gives a little bit more definition to the song and they're not just yelling. Yeah. In the background, but yeah, fun song, Wish it was longer. Um, so that's it guys for the year. Uh, hope that you have a wonderful and safe new year for myself I am actually recording this on Christmas night. I realized I didn't have a show ready for this week. I had done a couple in advance and then I had the interviews that I squeezed in there. So I hadn't. And, and then I had, you know, the, the Christmas episode. So I, I was looking. I was like, wow, I've, I'm so far ahead on podcast. Didn't realize I actually wasn't because they all aired on odd dates and Saturday interviews and stuff like that. So um, really cool. But I've got some cool guests and co-hosts lined up for next year hopefully uh, more of these things will come together. A lot of times I just never hear back from people or uh, they block me because I said, Hey, I'd love to help you promote your thing. How dare I? And uh, that's the end of that friendship. But uh, I've got, you know, some good co-hosts coming up. Corey's going to be on uh, very soon from Backtracks, Aerosmith Revisited, and uh, he and I are going to cover an album that he asked to do. Now, if you guys remember the last time this did not go well, because he wanted to review an album by the band Thunder, I had never heard of them. Um, I really did not like the album. I will say the comments that I wrote down versus what I actually said on the show were a lot different. I I, whenever I'm on with somebody, and I don't want to offend anybody, I don't want to upset anybody. So I, I try to find um, you know, nice ways to say things. And I try to find good things in, in you know, in all songs. If you, you know, remember a couple of you, the Uriah Heap songs that I didn't really like, I, I tried to find some good things. I found that challenging with Aerosmith with some of the songs like Sheila. I just hated that song from the first note to the last so much. I don't think there was anything I had that was good to say about that song. And they are a real hit and miss band for me. Uh, it's been very interesting getting to know their catalog better because I really only knew two of their albums, which was Toys in the Attic and Permanent Vacation. Apart from that, I know some of the hits, but uh, didn't really know any of their other albums. And and listening to, uh, to songs, it's like, wow, they're either this is really good and I, I dig it or uh, I really don't like this. And um, there's some middle ground, but it's usually like, well, I really like the bass line. You know, Tom Hamilton's a pretty, pretty talented bass player. And, um, as they, as they went on and got more towards permanent vacation, I started really loving their drum sound, that really powerful kick and just cracking snare. Um, pretty amazing. But in any case, so he's going to be on, we're going to review another album. He asked, I do expect that this one will go a little bit better. I'm a little bit more familiar with this one. I didn't even know the band thunder existed until he mentioned it to me. And uh, they just weren't a band that clicked with me. But uh, if you listen to that episode, we learned the differences between what Corey and I like and what we don't. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, music is very subjective. Somebody just posted uh, while I was uh, recording the last song, somebody posted uh, to my Tony Carey episode on YouTube that Rainbow Rising is the best Rainbow album. Okay, well, for you, that might be true. And for other people, it might be straight between the eyes or bent out of shape or stranger in us all or long live rock and roll. I mean, you know, it's it's such a silly thing, I think, at this point to say something is the best because that only really means something to you and other people that feel it's the best. You know, I, I always go back to either you like it or you don't like it. And that's all that really matters. Um, even like I, I might say something like this is one of my favorite songs by this band. I listen to this probably more than other songs. That's not really a, a statement saying this is the best. Um, because I, I realize that that's just what it means to me for whatever reason. Maybe it's just the moment I heard it was the perfect moment and, and it just brings back that memory or I associate it with a person or, or you know, there's just something in the song like, like with Die, Die, My Darling, that feedback note that I keep hearing that, um, that really defines the song for me. And it could be anything. So just enjoy what you don't, w- enjoy what you enjoy. Give what you don't another chance on another day maybe a year, maybe five, 20 years later, whatever it's going to be, you know, give things a second chance. I will give thunder a second chance at some point because who knows? So Corey and I will have that episode here for you pretty soon. And we'll be back next week. I don't know if I have a Saturday interview yet because I'm recording this on Christmas. I don't have anything booked, but that's okay. Cause the way things go, they just pop up all the time (laughs) as, as you have heard. So uh, anyway, have a great New Year's, everybody. Stay warm, stay safe wherever you are. I do not go out on New Year's. I've been out once in the last probably 15 years, I want to say. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe I'm not remembering one. But uh, there's one specifically I know I was, but I was home before, uh, I wanted to be home before midnight and that just didn't work out. Uh, But it's, it's kind of a dangerous holiday, especially here. There's a lot of people on the road. There's a lot of drinking here in Vegas. Uh, they actually shut the strip down. You cannot drive on the strip for New Year's. They they just block the whole thing off and you can walk up and down. The whole street is just open for walking. It's really, I would imagine, quite weird and surreal. Uh, I've only been there one time when they were blocking it off for something and I don't remember what it was. It was some kind of special event and I I got to walk across the street in a place I would never have walked across the street any other time. And I felt that was a really bizarre thing. And I honestly, it might have been a construction thing where they had the street. Oh, I don't know. I I don't know what it was, but I just remember that being really weird and feeling like I was doing something illegal. (laughs) That's just me being me. But uh, in any case, guys, have a great new year. We will see you for season seven coming in early January. Have a great one, guys. Cheers.